When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. games are alright, some games are good, some games ascend to greatness. Whether it's a personal story or a cup final, a nail-biter or perhaps the biggest all-British match on an international level for 20 years, every game has a great story. I'm Jake as always from What If Football, thank you very much for supporting the channel and donating to our Patreon page. This is the 43rd episode of the Great Games Podcast, England, Wales. Euro 2016. Optimism everywhere. Will it last? Well, let's find out, shall we? Euro 2016. We left England last week after a humiliating exit in the last 16 of a tournament in 2010 with a 4-1 defeat to... Germany, we we mentioned a little bit at the at the end of that show that Fabio Capello had regenerated the team a little bit further. Names like Jack Wilshire, we've got Jordan Henderson, Chris Smalling, or Mike Smalling, if you will, Kyle Walker, Gary Cahill, Daniel Sturridge. But after a disagreement with the FA in 2012, Fabio Capello resigned. John Terry would be reinstated into the squad, but it would be Steven Gerrard being the captain going forward. It was a dearth of English talent at a managerial scale. And to be fair, in 2012, although Roy Hodgson wasn't the the first choice, that would have been Harry Redknapp, who was trying to get Spurs to a Champions League spot, clinched fourth, but it wouldn't be enough, famously. And we uh, perhaps put it a bit too much on him that he would become England manager in the second half of the season tailed off a little bit, but Roy Hodgson applied um, and got the job and was a pretty decent candidate as well, to be fair. Either side of the debacle at Liverpool, he'd had very, very good stints, let's not forget, at Fulham, West Brom. He seems to be, as we've got on, a a bit of an unfashionable manager, but the experience cannot be uh, understated. He took Fulham to a Europa League final. He had West Brom, West Brom, in the top half of the Premier League quite routinely. So a decent enough appointment. Andy uh, is West Brom manager up until he takes the role in May 2012. Now, he'd had an international experience before as well, which probably was the the persuasive argument of Hodgson over Redknapp, if there was one. He'd taken Switzerland to the 1994 World Cup after an 
age without a without a World Cup tournament. They'd had their final days in the 1966 World Cup, and he almost took Finland to their first ever tournament at Euro 2008, but it was uh, just a little bit short on that one. And um, England not in a not in a great spot here with changing managers right before a tournament. But there was a there was an idea that. Potentially, there could be an opportunity for that new manager bounce and a potentially opportunity for new ideas, a fresh voice. We've seen that recently with Burnley, haven't we, um, in 2022. Hodgson wasn't given the best of luck with injuries. We had European champions Gary Cahill and Frank Lampard both missing out. Gareth Barry missed out as well. And obviously, we can't forget John Ruddy sustained a broken finger and he was out. Um, but it was a team that Hodgson selected, a good enough blend of experience. We've got Steven Gerrard, Frank um, you know, Frank Lampard, Scott Parker, John Terry and Ashley Cole, all over 30. And a good blend of youth with Andy Carroll, Jordan Henderson, Welbeck, Phil Jones, 23 and under. And Phil Walcott was still 23 and under and Hodgson was um, the first person to take Walcott to a tournament when it when it um, was justified really and Fabio Capello sort of left him out which was bizarre in 2010 but here we are Walcott is in the squad and Hodgson hands debuts to a, a fresh-faced Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain prior to the tournament as well and he's in that 23 and under bracket as well Oxlade-Chamberlain would start the tournament on the left in sort of a almost like a lopsided 4-3-3 going back to the old uh late 1970s, early 1980s style of um, football that was uh, prevalent in England. Potentially a 4-4-1-1 as well with Ashley Young maybe on the left and maybe centrally as well, interchanging with Oxlade-Chamberlain. James Milner was on the right, tucking in with uh, Stephen Gerrard and Scott Parker, the uh, more central pairing there. And um, Danny Welbeck would also feature routinely. This was all because of uh, Wayne Rooney only able to return for the third match of the group stage, that's obviously through the suspension that he served after his red card in uh, in uh, the last qualifier against Montenegro, which was a bit of a rash decision, really, considering England were already safely through, really. Um, in terms of, we said Hodgson was a bit of an unfashionable manager, really. That's the viewpoint, really, I think is uh, these days. And it was a Hodgson-esque start to the tournament, really. A 1-1 draw against France. Unspectacular, but solid. Not really a shoddy performance, really. Julian Lescott heads, United, uh, heads England through 1-0. Um, quickly equalised by Sami and Nasri, though. And um, the following match, they'd show a little bit of a chink in the armour from uh, from set pieces, going down 2-1 to Sweden on the hour. But ultimately, England were, were strong enough to battle back. They utilised different plans we had. Andy Carroll starting the match and uh, heading England in front in the half-time. And um, Danny Welbeck, of course, via Walcott getting the goals, which um, overturned a, uh, a late Sweden lead. And England were winning 3-2 and pretty much into the hat for the quarterfinals. And a uh, mixture of Wayne Rooney scoring from four centimetres out and John Ten- Terry clearing off or maybe over the line. And uh, it meant that England beat co-host Ukraine in Donetsk as well. So England had topped a group for the first time since 2006 and obviously not since 1996 in a Euros. So only twice in a 16-team Euros did England ever top the uh, a group stage. But 
Same old story in the end, penalties not composed enough against a strong Italy team and um, it was a understandable exit. There was certainly the viewpoint that if Italy, if England would have beaten Italy, then they would have certainly been lambs to the slaughter against Germany, who were joint favourites alongside Spain in the semi-finals there. But Hodgson, he revitalises the squad, hands debuts to the likes of Raheem Sterling, Andros Townsend, Ross Barkley, Adam Lallana, Luke Shaw, John Stones, among others, and um, really building a Quite a youthful squad, a bit more of an extreme blend, though, of youth and experience in the 2014 World Cup. You've still got your your Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrards, etc., um, but a lot more youth. Um, despite that experience, it's Italy, Uruguay in the groups, 2-1 two, two, losses. It features Wayne Rooney's only World Cup goal in that latter defeat as well. And again, it's an understandable exit, even though it's the first group stage exit for England since 1958. It did mark a definitive end for uh, some players. Obviously, Ashley Cole would retire beforehand. You've got Gerard and Lampard gone and they would be all but retired by the time Euro 2016 comes along. And in and amongst that, we've got a strong, young Tottenham Hotspur core coming to the uh, coming to the fore here. Harry Kane, Deli Alli, Eric Dyer, Danny Rose. They'd all gone close in the Premier League, would all go close again. They were all just approaching their peak. And then you've got uh, an undeniable pairing of informed players, Jamie Vardy, Marcus Rashford, a lot younger squad at Euro 2016. Nobody, for instance, was over the age of 30. And it's the likes of that Tottenham bunch and Raheem Sterling as well, all under 23 that were going to be this fulcrum for England to power them through in the uh, in the European Championships. They would meet Wales in the second group game, Wales' first tournament since 1958. Although they had got close on certain patches anyway. In the 70s and 80s, a team led by John Toshak and Arthur Griffiths, they won a qualifying group, but unfortunately for Wales, this was a time where the European Championship was still only four teams. It was exactly the last tournament that was four teams, and had it been obviously 1980, they would have qualified, but here they faced a playoff with Yugoslavia and lost. 3-1 3-1 on aggregate. But thankfully for Wales, football was expanding. You got the World Cup going to 24 teams in 1982. The Euros, as we said, going to eight teams. And they went pretty close in both of those first instances as well. West Germany in the groups for Euro 1980, which, I mean, that's understandable, really. Germany would obviously go on to win the tournament. They'd been at the previous two finals as well. Um, 1982, though, was the real kicker. Um, a 2-2 draw against Iceland stops Wales qualifying for the for the World Cup. A World Cup, really, that uh, was a good stepping stone for some um, British nations. England returned to the world stage quite well. Northern Ireland did incredibly well um, to qualify for the last 12 there, beating Spain. Uh, Scotland didn't do too bad, but obviously that group stage curse um, continuing. And um, speaking of Scotland, in 1986... Wales beat Scotland. Um, oh well, they would have if they would have beat Scotland in a one-one draw. That would have qualified them instead. Scotland to go to the World Cup and obviously group stage curse. They bow out at the uh, at the group stage. And in 1992, another different squad really for Wales. They'd won four of six games in the qualifiers. They beat Germany as well, but ultimately a draw in Belgium stopped them qualifying. And obviously Germany get to the final instead. And this was a young squad. You've got the likes of Ian Rush, Mark Hughes becoming Ryan Giggs. But Wales, no closer. They failed to beat 
Romania and Czechoslovakia, or rather Czech Republic, around this time in uh, 1994's World Cup qualification. And that was the difference between them ending up there as well. And by this point, Ireland had, had been at the world stage a couple of times. Now they'd um, got quite a final at Italia 90. They'd been at a couple of Euros as well. And they uh, reached the last 16 in the States. But Wales were, were the odd ones out, really, in, in the British Isles. They were the only team not to qualify for a tournament really since England won the World Cup. And 2004 was their last great push, really. They'd made the playoffs after starting great, but ultimately capitulated against Russia in the playoffs, capitulated in the group as well, when they really ought to have um, ought to have qualified automatically. Another expansion wouldn't prove fruitful with 13 European qualifiers for the World Cup since 1996. And the Euros, thankfully for Wales, had expanded to 24 teams. But regardless of that, Wales would have qualified for a 16-team Euros in 2016. They got the best best three or four defensive record in uh, qualification. They had superbly talented players in Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, although there was a chance that they were reliant on the two going forward. They'd scored nine of their 11 goals in qualification. And they did have the joint worst attacking team that qualified alongside Hungary. Late goals were the trademark of this group. Clubless Hal Robson Canu scored a winner against Slovakia on match day one. England dropped two points in stoppage time to Berezutsky's poked finish from two yards out against Russia. So we go into match day two. Will there be a late goal? Well, let's find out after this short break. In the white corner, we have Joe Hart, Kyle Walker, Gary Cahill, Chris Smalling, Danny Rose, Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, Adam Lalana, Wayne Rooney, Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane. In the bizarre off black with a little green trim, um, I guess, uh, we've got Wayne Hennessy, Chris Gunter, James Chester, Ashley Williams. We have Ben Davies. We have Neil Taylor, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Ledley, Joe Allen, Gareth Bale, and Hal Robson Canu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we have in the lineup really curiosities from England all over the shop, really. Wayne Rooney's almost a caricature of the adage, um, of the cliche almost, that uh, people say he'll drop deeper in his later years, like what we'd seen with Paul Scholes and. Wayne Rooney was playing central midfield as Adam Lallana played out wide. Now, Wayne Rooney used to sacrifice himself for club and country, would often be utilised out wide for Manchester United when faced with teammates like Robin Van Persie, like Cristiano Ronaldo as well. But here, he's playing in a more reserved position. Obviously, Harry Kane is now taking up the number nine position. He'd drop deep, and it's really the from this Harry Kane dropping deep that we have the first huge chance from a... An incisive England counter. Wales really can't deal with the pace in their back five there. You've got Deli Alley to Kane to Adam Lallana working the channel quite well. And um, unfortunately for Raheem Sterling, he blazes over and his, his wait for a tournament goal would continue. And it would continue for quite some more time after this as well. And 
comparing the football that I subjected myself to last week with the 4-1 loss in 2010 to Germany, this is already, already better football. Um, already, I mean, you can blame the conditions, the football, but ultimately it's a younger, hungrier, fresher team under a different voice, bit more, bit more abandon, I think, was afforded to the England players. Um, than compared to Fabio Capello's remit, where it really was just to frighten the the uh, the uh, the players and you know, alienate them and lock them away in some camp in uh, the northern part of South Africa. Regardless, England in this match territorially pretty dominant. Deli Ali would join the attack at will, and you'd really get Eric Dyer and Wayne Rooney being almost a double pivot, but obviously Wayne Rooney would have license to go a bit forward bit further forward, uh, but ultimately England largely indecisive. A couple of penalty appeals, but in vain really, because they they weren't really uh, for handball. Maybe the first one would be these days, but it's off the shoulder then on to the, the hand of Ben Davies. But it was definitely not a penalty then. It's borderline now, so probably not probably not a penalty. Um, Chris Smalling heads wide from Wayne Rooney, and that's ultimately the closest England go in the... Uh, in the first half, and the sickener comes in 42 minutes from an England perspective anyway. It's a bit of a clumsy Wayne Rooney tackle on Hal robson Canu and Gareth Bale lines up 30 yards out. The shot itself isn't anything isn't anything great, really. It's not really an awkward height for Joe Hart, really. It doesn't bounce. Maybe, maybe it's slightly awkward because he might think it's going to dip and then bounce, but Joe Hart's hand just isn't strong enough, should probably save it. And despite England playing better, Wales going to the break in front. And from that free kick, of course. And from this, Roy Hodgson changes it up dramatically at half time. Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, both largely ineffectual. Um, they come off, Daniel Sturridge is on, and Jamie Vardy also comes on. And. We have Wayne Rooney getting forward a bit more, getting forward a bit more and uh, drifting into this left space and he dummies Aaron Ramsey absolutely brilliantly in the first part of the second half, forces a, a save off Wayne Hennessy, which is a curling shot. It's probably more to do with placement rather than power, but um, a, a well-saved shot. And it is really from Daniel Sturridge and Wayne Rooney down this left-hand side that England find the majority of their joy in this second half. You've got Daniel Sturridge sort of drifting out to the left and Cooks in a, a little cross-in, which shows a little bit of patience that weren't there in the um, in the first half. It was more emotion, counter, pace, which which did have its, well, did have its breakthrough, but it's just an indecisiveness in front of goal. Rather here, we've got Wales sitting a bit further back, protecting that lead. We know the really good defensive. And... Um, England really the, the the type of thing that they're not used to playing is patient football and sort of grinding out that win. Which, if it's a grinding out of a win in an England perspective, it's usually ten men behind the ball, barrage, and not chasing a lead, which inevitably ends in either a draw or defeat. Here we've got Sturridge drilling that got. Well, Lifting that ball into the box, and Va Jamie Vardy looks a mile offside, but it comes off Ashley Williams' head, so therefore his scuffed finish, it counts, and it really completes for for Jamie Vardy what has been a, an absolutely majestic season with 
with Leicester, of course. He's broken records. Leicester have won the league. And now he's scored for England on uh, on the international stage at a tournament as well. And in the most important match so far in this in this tournament. As we move through the second half, you've got Kyle Walker providing a bit more width on the right, which, which surprisingly was a bit lacking in the first half, really. Um, potentially... With Wales as three at the back, five at the back, he was pinned back a little bit. But uh, we've got Danny Rose as well getting up into that uh, left-hand channel as well, which it means that Daniel Sturridge and Adam Lallana, as, as Wales sit deeper and deeper and deeper at 1-1, they can sort of play in the channels between the lines and Wayne Rooney can drop in too and, and dictate. And it leaves the likes of Kyle Walker, it leaves Eric Dyer and it leaves... Uh, Leaves Gary Cahill there as a sort of a three stoppers, really, which Wales didn't have too much pace on the count. And nowadays you'd have Dan James, I suppose, and they would be that little bit of threat. But here you've got, although Gareth Bale is a bit nippy, but he's unlikely to be able to beat the pair of them, I think, especially with Kyle Walker there as well, um, if he's able to get back. And um, with 17 minutes left, England change approach. Marcus Rashford is on for Adam Lallana. He's got a bit more pace down that left-hand side, perhaps a bit more shooting power and a bit more directness. Um, obviously, the fearlessness of youth from him. He's obviously, again, a fantastic season for... Well, fantastic half-season for Man United, scoring in all the big games, Arsenal, Manchester City, and obviously the, uh, the Europa League, which was ultimately a disappointment in the end, but that's how he got his start. It does provide some moments of um, spark and a bit more excitement down that left-hand side. And it does G up the sort of English consist contingent, really. Another player like Jamie Vardy, who's in unstoppable form, supreme confidence. And England, soon enough, get the breakthrough in stoppage time. The goal comes from the left again. It's from Daniel Sturridge probing again, which a man of the match performance for me, despite only playing half of the, uh, half of the game. He almost uses... Um, Jamie Vardy's a backboard, but bouncing the ball off him and it's intricate work between him and Deli Alley. Crowded box. Marcus Rashford's in there occupying a defender as well. And this is all in like the left half space as we progress the ball into the box. And Sturridge sort of finds room. It's sort of it looks like it's a finish with the wrong foot and put in the wrong place, but it still it just goes through Wayne Hennessy. And England win 2-1. Um very rarely do England find Winning goals like this late on after a period of sustained pressure, it's usually a more a half of frustration or hanging on and ultimately failing as they did in the previous game. In terms of last-minute winners, not too sure there was many knocking about for England in uh, in tournament football, but it could have been a turning point for England. It was ultimately a stroke of genius by Roy Hodgson making England a bit more incisive adding more confident players perhaps and ultimately they were the difference maker in this game of course two substitutes who scored another in Marcus Rashford who um, excited and occupied other defenders as well but ultimately it was a band of players really who hadn't gelled yet and we'll discuss after this short break how it went for the remainder of the tournament. See you after this. Was it a turning point for England? Uh, well, Harry Kane was suddenly on corners, which which does get ridiculed as a as a standalone moment, really. Um, he was often, or is often used now as a, a second ball and usually finds himself 
winning the flick, winning the uh, the ball from the flick on, which we've seen going forward, especially in the 2018 World Cup, when England were a very heavy set piece team. Um, but ultimately, with Wayne Rooney, probably more adept at taking corners, I'd say, and never really got into the box for corners. I think that would be a bit more of a, a wiser choice, but easy to say in, uh, in hindsight there. With the format changed to 24 teams, England already qualified with four points and the likes of Nathaniel Klein, Ryan Birch and Jordan Henderson, Jack Wilshire all come into play. Slovakia, you've got Daniel Sturridge and Jamie Vardy rewarded for that turnaround as well. And it's probably one of the more tired, one of the more laboured performances um, you're ever likely to see by an England team. It's got all the hallmarks of England versus Algeria from six years prior they draw nil-nil. Um, remember watching this in a pub near near my house, and it was all but empty. I think it was a midweek game, wasn't it? Quite late on, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and there was it was a ghost town almost. And you go back to even two years prior, four years prior, when pubs would be packed for that sort of game, even though it's Slovakia, even though it's quote, no disrespect to. A lower opposition, and it's, but it still is an important game. A win puts England into the the top the, the top half of the draw, and it, it's an easier half of the draw compared to one they would finish up in. It's obviously with the cutbacks to the Wales game against Russia, and it's a really Wales they show their spirit and character compared to an England team which. Although they showed little bits and little flashes of brilliance against Russia, it was more laboured, a 1-1 draw against Russia. Meanwhile, Wales absolutely batted them on a high, um, despite the uh, despite the loss against England. They'd taken England to the brink, which, regardless of the results, um, would have instilled a little bit of confidence as well to show that they, were, they weren't that far off them, even though England probably had a bit more of the game and rightfully won i'd say um wales being at their first tournament in uh, in nearly 60 years they were going to milk it and three nil against russia easily um one of their best performances at this tournament blows any performance from england miles out of the water and their reward for for um finishing top of the table with six points whilst england labored for to five Five points, they get the likes of Northern Ireland first in the last 16. But then in their half of the draw, it's it's Portugal, it's Belgium. Um, and those are the elite teams, really, that are left in the draw for them. In terms of England's half, you've got Germany, Italy, Spain, France. But ultimately, probably an easier draw, I'd say, in the last 16. This is obviously from perspective of... 2016, of course, before the before the uh, knockout phase, England played Iceland um, with with France in the in the quarterfinals. France, obviously, the hosts. Which quarterfinals would have been a, probably a welcome a welcome sight. Um, probably would have been understandable if England would have got to the quarterfinals and lost. And I think it's probably the on paper obviously the easier last 16 because you've got the british factor wales versus northern ireland battle of britain in paris you don't really want that type of game at a tournament you don't really want any sort of rivalry you want a a, a team that's you're never going to get a, a truly easy game at um, knockout stage level an international tournament and if you do they're very 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 rare so you you don't want 
rivalry to come into. We've seen that at the the Euros last year when England, the only the only game that they that they drew was um, obviously before the before the final. There was um, was Scotland in the in the group. Now, obviously, it didn't matter too much. But when you get to knockout stage football, a bit more nerves perhaps. And uh, yeah, looking back, obviously going ahead with the quarterfinals and quarterfinals onwards, it's going to be a lot harder for England to win it. But nobody expected England to win it. Wales quarterfinal, they probably had just as hard a quarterfinal against Belgium because they do um, obviously grind out a 1-0 win through Gareth McCauley's late own goal at the Parc de Prance. And uh, it's Belgium in the quarterfinals, and England. Let's not forget they had two more days to prepare for the uh, for the last sixteen as well. So they had that advantage as well, and they start off like a house on fire. Wayne Rooney scores a penalty, his final goal for England. Everything was supposed to be all right, and then uh, you've got the fact that potential quarterfinal over France. France were made to sweat over a last sixteen win over Ireland. So maybe, maybe just maybe. They could um, achieve something, and England perhaps a little bit of momentum coming at the right time. Football coming home, all that um, blind optimism. But in reality, it was um, it was never truly going to happen, was it? Let's be honest. Potentially, you might have the the pressure on the host in the quarterfinal, but then you get beyond that, and then it's Germany in the semi-finals and again like 2012 you don't expect to beat Germany in a major tournament especially in a knockout phase and in a way maybe um it was a good thing that England beat Iceland um the England provided absolutely nothing it's easily the worst performance of England at a major tournament I've ever seen and um, they'd lost inside 18 minutes deservedly beaten and it goes to show with Wales getting all the way through to the semi-finals, losing to uh, Portugal, of course, and overcoming the the challenges of Belgium and Hal Robson, Canu, Cruyff, turn goal, and all that spirit that come with it. The the Sam Vokes header, which was majestic, which does sort of get lost in the in the shuffle, um, especially after that Hal Robson Canu goal, um, and just the story of the Wales of Iceland as well. It, it it was really a tournament for team spirit over big household names. You've got the likes of Italy falling at the, the quarterfinal, Spain at the last 16 as well. And really, Wales provided, and, and Iceland as well, let's not, let's not uh, be unfair on them. They were the highlights of this tournament, really. And it, yes, it was an unremarkable winner in Portugal. Um, as you could tell from my What If videos, they, uh, they often get shoved out of the way any opportunity in Euro 2016. But um, it was a Wales team who, at the first attempt, really, had got to a semi-final. England, still waiting after 20 years for a semi-final after Euro 96. And of course, Portugal, you got Cristiano Ronaldo, who was on a, a one-man mission to drag Portugal to another tournament final, who were a little bit too strong. And, and yeah, probably the, the, the single, the, the one-man team triumphed a little bit over the team spirit there um and wales they will be back in 2021 of course and continued their all their all-time record of always qualifying from group stages england by that point as well of course had um had reconvened and their wait was by that point well over for a semi-final and over for a final as well but 
that is a story for another day as we move through this summer looking at past England games we'll have um, a certain more recent game a more triumphant game for England to uh, to come in the next couple of weeks but first next Tuesday we have a more of a downer let's be honest there's no better way to uh, no better way to put it than that we're going to be looking at England versus Portugal from Euro 2004 quarterfinal of course and um, the high point, the real true peak of uh, golden generation football. So hope you join us for that. Thank you very, very much for supporting the channel and listening. And until next time, thank you and see you. Podcast Network.